This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Bhagyushree Gareka, foreign editor of the Straits Times. Now, we're recording this episode on the eve of the Shangri-La Dialogue, which is held here in Singapore from June 10 to 12. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is making the keynote address at this year's Shangri-La Dialogue. And our special guest today is Mr. Koichiro Matsumoto. He is the Deputy Cabinet Secretary for Public Affairs and the Director of Global Communications for the Prime Minister's Office in Japan. Welcome to our show, Matsumoto-san. Thank you for having me, Bhagya. Well, thank you very much for having this chat with the Asian Insider podcast channel. Now, I'd like to begin by asking you a bit about Japan's presence in our region. Now, it has long been seen by us here as a very sturdy partner, and uh, obviously all the contributions that it makes towards the regional economy are very much welcomed. But a leading Japanese media uh, outlet earlier this week published a piece which talked about Japan's waning influence in Southeast Asia. Now, is that something that you agree with? Well, thank you very much for the question, Bagia. I think you're referring to the, the article uh, on Nikkei Asia. Uh, but I don't think Japan's influence in ASEAN is waning, as the article suggests. Uh, in fact, uh, the collaborative relationship between the two are now in full bloom uh, in light of the current global crisis. Uh, there are three areas I wish to touch upon in this regard. Uh, first, uh, we can tackle common global challenges together. Uh, Japan has been and will continue to be the first partner that the ASEAN countries can work with in order to tackle uh, global challenges. Against the backdrop of uh, climate change, as well as uh, the current energy crisis triggered by Russia's aggression in Ukraine, uh, Japan must uh, diversify its energy supplies. And ASEAN countries, some of whom are facing difficulties as a result of the surge of energy prices, uh, also need to tackle this issue and take uh, bold steps in the more or less same direction. Uh, in this regard, Prime Minister Kishida announced last year that Japan will provide additional financial support of 10 billion US dollars to ASEAN uh, countries uh, for the introduction of renewable energy and the conversion of existing thermal power generations uh, into uh, zero emission ones. Uh, we call this initiative an Asia Energy Transition Initiative. Uh, Japan so will uh, walk side by side with ASEAN to support compiling roadmaps for each country uh, so that they can achieve a pragmatic energy transition in respective countries. Uh, we believe uh, that uh, this will help establish a new supply chain for decarbonization, and we call uh, this uh, initiative uh, uh, Asian Zero Emissions Community. And this, uh, we we uh, aim this uh, to achieve zero emissions for CO two and other gases in Asia. Uh, and secondly, I'd like to talk about uh, uh, economic security. Uh, we are unfortunately witnessing the rise of autocratic regimes in the international arena. Uh, in, in order to uh, counter this trend, we need to defend our existing economic order that is uh, free and open, beneficial to all entities who seek to conduct economic activities in the Asia-Pacific region. Thanks to the existing excellent relationship, Japan and ASEAN have long been building multi-layered supply chains. Uh, such supply chains, underpinned by trust, 
uh, has never been more important under this political economic climate. Uh, I believe that uh, trust means security, security means business, and business means trust. Uh, it is important that our public and private sectors continue to invest in maintaining and strengthening these supply chains. And third, uh, Japan and Southeast Asia can deepen partnerships in various existing economic frameworks in the region. Uh, needless to say, Asia is indeed the center of gravity of the ever-expanding global economy, accounting for nearly 35% of it. ASEAN is at the core of this regime. And Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, or IPEF, the economic framework recently launched by President uh, Biden of the United States, uh, he launched this in Tokyo, but uh, this IPEF is seeking to shape rules for uh, prosperity in areas ranging from digital trade, resilient supply chains, clean energy, and decarbonization. And I think uh, countries such as Japan and Singapore, which are members of both IPEF and CPTPP, uh, will have an important role to play. Uh, on top of that, we have Japan, ASEAN EPA, and RCEP, and many more. These multi-layered frameworks are great to have, but uh, they require cohesiveness. Here, again, Japan and ASEAN will play, will need to play a central role in coordinating one another, as many of us participate in many of these frameworks. Now, uh, the point here is that we really hope to further strengthen relations with ASEAN countries and with Singapore in particular, which is also a party to CPTPP. Uh, I think we can shape a prosperous Indo-Pacific region through active rules making. And efforts as such, I believe, uh, will promote greater public and private investment in the region. So once again, uh, we are more than ever excited to work with ASEAN, uh, which is ever more economically vibrant. And Japan will work together with ASEAN, building on the excellent track record of economic ties in order to realize a free and open Indo-Pacific. So the Nikkei Asia report that we were indeed talking about, there's a reference in there to two things that caught my eye. Firstly, that Japan perhaps is not keeping up with ASEAN's other partners when it comes to trade and investment. And secondly, it also talks about uh, a diminished flow of people from Japan to ASEAN. Partly that is because of, uh, you know, COVID. Uh, but what would be your comment on these uh, on these on these trends yes thank you very much for that question um uh, I, I can say that japan's direct investment in asean has recently increased in services services area uh, such as financial sector and the, and the majority of the japanese direct investment in asia has been in the uh, manufacturing sector but if you if you are to pick up a good news the direct investment in asean has uh, recently increased in such uh, uh, areas outside manufacturing sector. Uh, that's one thing. And uh, answering your second question, yes, um, the diminished flow of people, uh, I would blame that to uh, the COVID. And uh, we look forward to uh, the Singaporeans coming into Japan uh, since uh, we have uh, relaxed our uh, border control in Japan. Uh, now we are welcoming uh, 20,000 uh, entrants uh, from abroad uh, to Japan in Japanese airports and ports. Thank you, Matsumoto-san. Now, in the context of the broader East Asia region, uh, an important matter that crops up is Japan's somewhat changing stance on Taiwan. Now, there was news this week, for instance, that 
for the first time, Japan will post an active duty defense official in Taiwan. And of course, over the course of the last few months, we have, of course, heard Japan consistently talking about concerns about stability in the Taiwan Strait. Uh, this matter even figures in Japan's you know, diplomatic priorities uh, in the J Japanese uh, Blue Book. Now, can you explain to us what's causing this change? Thank you for your question. Uh, first and foremost, let me be clear. Uh, the peace and stability of the Taiwan Strait is important, not only for Japan's security, but also for the stability of the international community. Our consistent position has been that uh, we expect that the issues surrounding Taiwan will be resolved peacefully uh, through dialogue. Uh, this is Japan's basic position and it has not changed. Uh, having said that, with regard to the relationship between China and Taiwan, uh, while the two have deep ties, especially uh, uh, very deep ties in the economic field, uh, the overall military balance is tilting in favor of China and the gap appears to be growing year by year. Uh, there is also heightened awareness across the international community about the importance of the peace and stability of the Taiwan Strait. And Japan's foreign minister, Mr. Hayashi Yoshimasa, uh, raised this issue directly with the state councillor Wang Yi during the foreign minister's video conference this May. Uh, so Japan as a country, which has an island that is only 110 kilometers away from Taiwan, uh, we will continue to follow the situation closely and assert our position as necessary. And with regard to the uh, defense official to be posted in Taiwan, the government hasn't decided on such a policy. I see. Thank you for that. Uh, now, coming to a very important neighbor for Japan, South Korea, now which recently inaugurated a new president after elections. Now, what are Tokyo's expectations from the new Korean president? And would Japan in particular, like to see South Korea become a member of the Quad. There are reports that South Korea indeed is interested in moving towards that. Yeah, uh, we certainly have a certain level of expectation for the new uh, president of the Republic of Korea because uh, obviously the Republic of Korea is an important neighbor to Japan. Japan ROK bilateral coordination and Japan-US ROK trilateral coordination are indispensable for regional stability, including in dealing with North Korea. And uh, as you know, North Korea has repeatedly launched ballistic missiles, including a new type of ICBM uh, with uh, unprecedented frequency. Uh, so you can uh, agree with us that the strategic coordination among us uh, has never been uh, this much important given the uh, current global landscape. That's right. So this, uh, we believe, is the uh, now or never moment to improve Japan-ROK relations. So our bilateral relations are unfortunately in an extremely uh, difficult situation due to various issues, such as the issues of former civilian workers from the Korean Peninsula and issues of conflict women. Uh, however, the situation should not be left as it is. Uh, so in order to restore a sound japan ROK relations, uh, we plan to communicate closely with the new Yoon administration, which uh, was inaugurated in uh, May, uh, based on Japan's principled positions. And also you mentioned the possibility of uh, extending the Quad. Uh, needless to say, Quad 
means four, four countries. Uh, we are, as you know, currently accumulating the deliverables of our practical cooperation among the four countries uh, in various fields, such as uh, vaccine cooperation, maritime cooperation, space, emerging technologies, climate change, so on and so forth. So we have a long list of cooperation among these four countries. And uh, we, the four countries, sort of concur among ourselves that we are in the process of, let's say, vertically deepening our cooperation instead of horizontally expanding it. Right. Uh, let's talk about China. Now, China, as you are aware, is a very important partner for Singapore and, in fact, for most uh, nations across Asia, across Southeast Asia. What do you think about proposals that have been put forward by China and Taiwan to join the CPTPP, a very important trade pact for the region, which has been very closely steered by uh, Japan? Yes, uh, we. I, I, so, I totally agree. I mean, the CPTPP, we have uh, attached great importance to it. And the CPTPP has a significance of spreading a new set of common rules, uh, which are both high in standard and balanced for the 21st century among the participating countries and towards the international community as a whole. Uh, so the CPTPP uh, also sets a very uh, high level of commitment in terms of its uh, market access uh, and rules. We believe this uh, rules-based uh, uh, order is quite indispensable in uh, achieving the free and open Indo-Pacific. Uh, regarding China, we understand that there are different opinions on these trade practices. And first of all, we need to carefully scrutinize whether China is prepared to fully meet the high standards set by the CPTPP. And Taiwan's application must likewise uh, be uh, fairly evaluated. Taiwan is an extremely important partner for Japan, uh, with which uh, Japan shares both fundamental values and close economic ties. And the country has long been publicly announcing various plans to apply for the membership. Uh, Japan also welcomes such applications by Taiwan. So all in all, in any case, uh, the treatment of the aspirant uh, economies that have submitted applications to join the CPTPP will require careful consultation uh, with other countries uh, which are part of the CPTPP, and that includes Japan and Singapore. And we will consider the matter from a strategic perspective. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. So let's get back to my conversation with Mr. Koichiro Matsumoto the Deputy Cabinet Secretary for Public Affairs and the Director of Global Communications for the Prime Minister's Office of Japan. So, in principle, you are not against the idea. Uh, as I said, we have to think about uh, the applications from a strategic point of view, not just from an economic perspective, but from a strategic point of view. And that uh, requires uh, our careful evaluation of their uh, track records in economic terms and uh, uh, their economic behavior in the uh, trade and investment. Right. Uh, now, this is an important year. Japan and China are basically going to be celebrating 50 years of ties. I would like to draw your attention to surveys that have shown for um, quite some time now that the Japanese actually 
support a stronger stance on Japan's territorial disputes with China. Uh, these are in the East China Sea. Now, how does your government interpret such findings from, you know, public opinion surveys, uh, which 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 seem to show that uh, the Japanese public is taking a keen interest in defense matters, uh, particularly, and how do they inform? How do such surveys inform policy making of the Kishida government? Right. Um, I don't want to sound boastful here, but uh, Kishida administration currently enjoys sixty uh, percent of uh, public support, according. Right. Uh, We've Gideon's reported on principle. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is quite rare. Uh, if you think about, uh, you know, Kishida administration was inaugurated last year, and it's been like eight months. Uh, since the inauguration, and uh, people are still, you know, supporting uh, Kishida administration with 60% of vote. This is kind of a rarity in Japanese politics. Uh, I think this has to do with uh, several factors, and one, obviously, uh, I would name that our very um, strong stance vis-a-vis Russia uh, in terms of uh, Russia's aggression in Ukraine. And another is a very firm stance on our national territories. There is no doubt that Senkaku Islands are clearly and uh, uh, an inherent part of uh, the territory of Japan. And the Senkaku Islands are indeed under the legitimate control of Japan. So there is no issue of the territorial sovereignty to be resolved concerning the islands, but we are seeing the Chinese Coast Guard vessels uh, uh, intruding into our territory waters. Uh, around the Senkaku Islands, and we have confirmed such incidents 35 times last year, and we confirmed nine cases this year so far. So, well, well, the activities of the China Coast Guard vessels, such as making unfounded claims in Japan's territorial waters around the Senkaku Islands, are in violation of international law, and we are uh, we we find it uh, ac- absolutely unacceptable. We have repeatedly, you know, protested against such activities through diplomatic channels and have strongly demanded uh, that uh, vessels leave Japanese territory, uh, territorial waters uh, as soon as possible. Uh, and we raised this issue in the summit uh, uh, telephone talks last October, uh, and the Prime Minister Kishida conveyed his uh, very serious concerns over this issue. So Japan, like Singapore, uh, is determined to defend uh, its territory as well as territorial sea and airspace. And Japan will continue to take resolute approach to that situation, uh, and we haven't changed uh, an inch on this one. We are very, uh, you know, geographically very close, so we sort of come up with these kinds of, you know, various issues between the two countries. Uh, So I think in a nutshell, in dealing with China, we will firmly assert what needs to be said, uh, in cooperation with uh, countries which share universal values. And we have been strongly requesting China's responsible actions uh, in this uh, regard. Right. Uh, Matsumoto-san, so now it is uh, more than three months since the war erupted in Ukraine. Uh, and of course, for the last two years, the world has felt a pretty rude jolt from the whole COVID pandemic. This has impacted uh, you know, the supply chains and the war has impacted the geopolitical order as well. In Tokyo, what are the key lessons that Japan has, key lessons or observations that Japan has to make res- in response to these two huge events? 
Yes. Um, well, first of all, I think strengthening the supply chain is 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 a big issue. Um, I think supply chains are in danger, and even before the pandemic, the the issue of how to secure critical commodities such as uh, rare earths and semiconductors uh, had been pointed out as an economic security challenge. But once the corona pandemic uh, kicked in, there came the widespread recognition that uh, uh, supply chain diversification is of great importance. And of course, then came Russia's aggression in Ukraine. And from the early days of the aggression, Japan has been imposing sanctions against Russia, including a ban on uh, coal imports from Russia and thereby restricting uh, Russian origin energy imports, among other things. And as a result, uh, the issue of energy supply has become a major challenge for Japan. Uh, so I think I, I would say the key takeaway is that uh, we have to sort of diversify the strategic supply chains. And uh, I think the, uh, in, in order to solve this problem, uh, the diversification of supplies and innovation is uh, very important. So first, uh, to avoid uh, supply chain risks, uh, Japanese companies are shifting some of their production lines that were overly dependent on one country and diversifying the supply chain to Southeast Asian countries. With regard to energy, in addition to utilizing uh, uh, nuclear power generation as much as possible in Japan, uh, we are trying to diversify our energy supply, such as by confirming with Indonesia in the, uh, our April summit meeting that we will promote cooperation in energy sector with Indonesia, including supply of coal and natural gas. Uh, furthermore, uh, Japan is working with ASEAN countries and others to establish uh, Asia Zero Emission uh, Community, which I mentioned earlier, that, that is a new supply chain for decarbonization. So with the uh, enactment of uh, Economic Security Promotion Act, well, we enacted this act uh, in the Diet in May, but the Japanese government is now promoting a multi-layered approach to economic security, including matters related to supply chains. Right. Now, talking about something um, which Japan is very much beloved in Singapore, we love visiting Japan and we really welcome the reopening of borders and I think Singaporeans will make their way there. I was just wondering, how have things changed, uh, you know, over the last two years of pandemic when uh, tourists were not really coming in? Are there new attractions perhaps that, you know, that you would recommend that tourists from here, uh, from Singapore and the region could enjoy in Japan? Well, thank you for the wonderful question. <laughs> Uh, we are proud that uh, the Japanese cities have always been on the top of the tourist destinations. But recently, I had a chance to read the uh, World Economic Forum, WEF, uh, their uh, biennial travel and tourism study. Uh, and in this year's study, uh, Japan took the top spot as the best tourist destination. We are greatly honored by the ranking, but uh, we also need to make a lot of efforts to create a more attractive sites as tourist destination, bearing in mind the diversified needs of tourists of post-pandemic. Uh, in this regard, we believe that Japan also can champion in workation destinations, 
Well, imagine you're enjoying a wonderful spa in a remote, snowy countryside in Japan, but you also can engage in metaverse uh, business meetings in your spare time. Or how about uh, going to tropical resorts on the Japanese islands? Well, we also have tropical islands in Japan, but uh, we can offer the best foodie experience in that on that island, and still you can work with your colleagues virtually with the help of uninterrupted secure internet and amazing concierge services. So, well, we have many resorts as such, but not all are like that. Uh, the Kishida administration is strongly promoting investment in uh, rural digitalization uh, in its uh, flagship policy package called the Digital Garden City Initiative. This is one of the most important components of a new form of capitalism policy, uh, which Prime Minister Kishida is strongly advocating. The digitalization in rural areas will not only resolve challenges facing regional uh, Japan, but will create attractive international vocation destinations Japan-wide. Uh, so in this regard, uh, Prime Minister Li Xianlong came to Japan last month and uh, two leaders uh, concurred to promote cooperation in the digital field in view of uh, coordination between Japan's uh, vision for digital garden city, nation realization, and Singapore's smart nation initiative. Uh, going forward, uh, we regard that uh, Singapore to be our best partner in Asia to promote uh, such a makeover of our rural areas. Uh, in the same vein, I encourage the Singaporeans to uh, come to Japan for a workation and uh, savor the best of what Japan has to offer, which are great service, wonderful food, digital facilities, uh, which makes uh, um, the resorts uh, ideal hideout for valued guests. Thank you, Matsumoto-san. Uh, it's indeed great to hear about, uh, you know, the all the fascinating things that Japan holds for visitors from Singapore and from this part of the world. We we would love to visit the things that you've talked about. Uh, and thank you for this interview. It was really great to have you on our show and have you talk about these important matters. Well, thank you for doing this. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's such a pleasure to uh, speak to you and... Uh, uh, speak to your audience and uh, uh, internationally acclaimed uh, media outlet uh, such as uh, The Straight Times. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to my chat with Mr. Koichiro Matsumoto. He's the Deputy Cabinet Secretary for Public Affairs and the Director of Global Communication for the Prime Minister's Office in Japan. And you're listening to the Asian Insider podcast channel. Do check out other shows on this channel from Mondays to Fridays covering the span of the globe. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.